right, come on in. Welcome, welcome to another night of Wednesday night Bible class. We're still in Romans. I don't know why I just got real twangy right there. I think it's because all my relatives are in and they've they developed a little bit more of an accent. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and let Chuck give an update real quick. And then after that, I've asked Mike Wall to lead us in prayer and then we'll get started tonight. And my hot? Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, since a lot of people have been asking, and so you don't, when Susan gets here, you don't flood her with all the questions about her, her niece, Leah. Um, we thought we were going to lose her on Sunday. Matter of fact, they said gather the family. Uh, blood pressure was really low. Um, they couldn't stop the bleeding in the abdomen. Uh, they were at Parish. We finally got her out of Parish and got her over to uh, Advent Hospital. Went into surgery there. They got her blood pressure back up a little bit, enough to go into surgery. Had to take her spleen because when they gave her CPR to bring her back, because she coded like seven or eight times on uh, Sunday. Um, they brought her back. Um, while she was over there, uh, they said, you know, there's, she's a possibility because her blood pressure was so low, she may lose her leg, uh, could lose her hand uh, due to not having circulation and nutrients and, and everything else. Uh, things looked better, but when they opened her up to take her spleen out, they left her open. And she's been on propanol since Sunday because the pain's so bad. So they've left her open. They went in today in surgery again with the intent to close her up. Uh, they took four inches out of her intestine on Monday. They took another five inches today because it looked might, like it might be necrotic. So they left her open. They're going to take her into surgery again on Friday. And hopefully at that time, they won't have to take anything else out. And they'll be able to sew her back up again. Both her leg, because her leg's open, because they thought she was going to leave, leave the leg, and they're trying to monitor that. So they could stitch her up Friday. Uh, it looks probable that she will keep her leg, keep her feet, and keep her hands. But as of yesterday or the day before, it looked probably she was going to lose at least her leg. So prayers are essential for her because it was him. He intervened, and we really appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, after that update on Leah, we're, we're joyful for the good news. We're still apprehensive about what's to come. It's hard to think about really much else. But Father, we pray that you will continue to be with her, be with surgeons and all those who are attending them. We pray for skillful hands skillful minds, good communication, good collaboration, the experts. And where those fail, Father, we pray for your supernatural intervention. Pray that she doesn't lose any more intestine. Pray that she can keep her leg, her hands, her feet. Lord, we pray that, that we can look back on this as a 
one of those times where we know that you were there. Lord, there are others who are not doing well tonight, nothing maybe quite as serious, but we, we pray for those two who are not feeling well and having, having other issues. I know that Brent and Wanda can't be here, and Steve and BB can't be here. Betty's going to have surgery soon on her shoulder that she injured a few weeks ago. Lord, we pray that you'll be with, with them as well. Lord, once again, we, we pray for your, your comfort of all the Robinson family and the Woods family and the White family and Linda and all the, all the siblings and brothers and sisters children. Lord, we know that, uh, that you can provide the peace that passes understanding. We pray that you will continue to, to hear our prayers and continue to, to comfort them, provide that peace. Lord, now as we turn our attention to your word, pray that you'll be with Matt. Help him to be able to to clear his mind enough to, to be able to express to us the things that he's prepared and help us to be good learners, to be attentive to your word as we, as we study Romans chapter 8, that great encouraging chapter about, about your spirit. Lord, we pray that you will encourage all of us, help us to, to leave here stronger than when we got here. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Good? A little heavy to start with. Um, I will say, just to reemphasize what Chuck said, the power of prayer in these times is more evident maybe than other times. Um, and I am 100% convinced that she is alive because of our prayer. In fact, there was a time, I'll just share this one part, there was a time where the doctor came up to me and my brother and said, all that's left is prayer. And from that moment on, Leah has done nothing but better. So I just want you to know that. Now I'm going to try not to get emotional the rest of the night. Good luck for me, right? Um, so I have to also say this. Um, normally, uh, my, my normal Wednesday looks, um, it's full of study today. That didn't happen quite as much as normal. So I'm going to need a lot of help tonight. So I really appreciate the uh, the comments before you've even said one. Um, so let's go ahead and discuss Romans chapter 8. The good news is, I think Romans 8 is a chapter many of us probably know pretty well and have, at least there's going to be parts of it that you're going you're gonna to know whether you knew it was Romans 8 or not. You're going to know these words um, from Paul. So let's start. Verse 1, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit, remember this is, this is, this is coming back from Romans 7. This is, we were just talking about the law of Spirit, law of sin in Romans 7. For the law of the Spirit of life 
has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What was the law, weakened by the flesh, not able to do? It's kind of review, right? What is? What was it, Mike? The fight, I call it. Uh, people trying to live the faith, not living the faith. Some trying not to live the faith and doing a good job of it. And chapter eight says, "You're not alone in okay. this fight." Okay. Good. Yeah, the law wasn't able to reconcile. Yeah. The law couldn't wipe away the sin. The law could not bring the friction that sin created, that our choice to go and abandon God, that, that righteous requirement, which is going to come up in a little bit in Romans 8, was not fulfilled until Jesus died on the cross. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Romans 7, right? made it worse. It made sin abound all the more because the more we knew about good and evil, the more we not only experienced good, but the more we also experienced evil. Um, so, verse 3, for God, had done what, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for, and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what do you see right away in the first four verses that Paul is um, comparing and contrasting? What do you see? Can you say that again? What do you see in the first four verses that Paul is comparing and contrasting? Let's look at verse 2. The law of the Spirit and the law of sin. Let's look at verse 3. You've got flesh. All the way down to verse 4, you've got spirit. You've, those are the things we've got to think about. The law of the Spirit and the law of sin is a continuation from Romans 7. This idea of flesh and spirit, he started all, as well in Romans 7 when he was talking about how he, do, he knows what he needs to do. But he doesn't always do that. Remember that part? And that's that battle of flesh and spirit. It's the struggle between um, who we want to be and, unfortunately, who at times we just are. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Here you go. It's going to compare and contrast a little bit more. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Why? Chuck? The contrast there is flesh versus Spirit is those who are living for the flesh, in other words, for themselves. Yeah. Aren't going to accept God because they're at the top of the, the heap. Okay. Everything's done to please themselves. The person who's living for the Spirit is living for God. Yeah. They aren't living for themselves. And that particular person has the Spirit of life. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really kind of self explanatory, isn't it? 
You're either living for yourself or you're living for God. It's this idea of submission. It's this idea. You know, you you can't come to Jesus without surrendering yourself first. That goes all the way back to Romans 6. Right? Where we die the death like his. Where we've laid down our life. We've done that ourselves before we actually ever are baptized. We have surrendered ourselves just like Jesus told us, right? No one can kill me. I freely give my life. Go ahead, Mike. What really impressed me when I was studying for tonight was the the emphasis on the spirit in you. And if you're going to make it and you're going to be God's person, it's the spirit that's guiding you. Oh, yeah. Just over and over through the chapter, he emphasizes the difference the spirit makes in the Christian versus the person who's living without the Spirit. Yes, absolutely. We're going we're gonna to get to that in just a few um, verses. In fact, he's going to really start hitting that hard. Anybody want to say anything else before we move on um, from this? That's why Jesus spends the Holy Spirit to help us fight the sin that's in our world. Yeah. It's yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Doug? I'll say it. Uh, kind of, last week I saw it and I talked to you about it, but I didn't want to say it. Um, it talked about Romans 7 14. It said, I am of the flesh sold under sin. Yeah. And what that hit for me was um, I know in the Sunday morning class we're talking about life of Christ. When they tried to give, when um, Judas tried to give his money back to the temple, they said, We don't want your blood money. And that referenced an Old Testament law. And you couldn't give the temple money for the sale of a dog or for, the, for a prostitute. And that's, you know, sold under sin just kind of brings that back to mind. That's that's how low we are in the flesh. We're sold at, where is a dog or as a prostitute? Yeah. You say it's so the spirit. Now we have value. We're reconciled to God. We're of him. Yeah, and who sold us to sin? I said this, I asked this question last week. Chuck answered it right away. Don't answer it this time, Chuck. Who sold us to sin? Yeah, we did. We made our own choice. We made our own choice to sin. Right? So, the reality is, in my flesh, without the Spirit of God, in the law, without the law of the Spirit that sets us free, it is impossible for me to please God. You know what I was thinking about when I was working on this um, I was thinking about what we just went over. And again, I, 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 when I started Romans, I had no idea that Romans 8 would be this week. Right? And I, just think about everything I'm going through right now this week. My family's going through this week and we're on Romans 8. Okay? Another thing. When I started the Moments with God on Sunday morning, I had no idea this Sunday we would talk about Moses. I, I don't, I, I have my ideas planned out. I have certain parts of it planned out where it kind of fits in. I kind of just try my best to surrender and let God kind of put it together. That's what I do. That's why I told you guys on some of this stuff, I go chronologically and some of this, we're just going to play around and see what happens. But just this Sunday morning, what were we talking about? What was Moses' moment? Moses' moment was, I want to know you. I want to know you. Why do I want to know you? 
so I know how to please you. That was his moment. I want to know you so I know how to please you. Look at verse 8. Those who are of the flesh cannot please God. We, they, they don't know how to. They've never even thought about it. Why? Because they haven't submitted to God's law. They haven't surrendered to themselves. And I just want you to see how, man, I would love to take credit for it, but I can't. I'm not that smart. I'm just being honest with you. I want you to see these common themes that God is weaving in the lessons. I, I'm, I don't know if you pick up on them all. I don't point all of them out. I don't want it to become too redundant, to be honest, but see that. Because that was the first thing I saw. And you know, normally when I read Romans 8, I don't think of Moses. I don't know about you, but that's not where my mind normally just goes. But I could not read verse 7 and 8 without seeing Moses. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. It's starting to make a little more sense that, you know, sin is right there with him, with Paul, even now. Yeah. But because he's of the spirit and not of the flesh, it's not going to destroy him. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. That's right. His whole point, and the, and the one thing I was trying to emphasize with the idea that it, this is Paul. This is Paul the Apostle. This is one of the greatest men, in my opinion, in the entire Bible when it comes to the legacy that he leaves behind, what, what he was capable of accomplishing. And it's him who's telling you that he can't control himself at times. He can't. He can't. That's right. It's just, it's just a reality. And, and, and when we talk about flesh versus spirit, I, I want you to understand, sometimes people get real jumpy when you start talking about flesh versus spirit, because they think, oh, it's going to lead into like original sin. Like if I'm of flesh, that means I was born sinful because I am of flesh. And No, no, no. Flesh is worldly. Flesh is way more than just what you're made of. Flesh is the desires that you've been fed since you were a child that literally the world has trained you even in ways to desire that are not of God. And so think about that, because that is a lot about what Romans is about. That's one of the reasons why Romans is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible, because it really breaks down the reality that we all know we deal with. And maybe we don't want to admit at times that we still deal with it, but we all still deal with it in whatever way it manifests itself. Verse 9. And this is where it changes to, where, where, um, to what Mike was talking about and, and gets real spirit heavy. So think about this. You, however, are not of the flesh. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. How does the spirit of God dwell in you? By faith. It's a gift from the Lord. Absolutely. When do you become temple? By your actions? By your actions? Yeah. Yeah. When you're baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? When you're baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6. That's how we participate in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's how we're united in His death, burial, and resurrection. So, when does the Spirit of God dwell in you? 
Yeah, when you're baptized. I'm emphasizing that because I want you to see when we get down to Abba Father. So remember that when we get down to Abba Father. Okay? And we'll come back to that. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh. Go ahead, Paul. In the Hebrew letter, he writes, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's right. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about these this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he said, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> All right, well, let's start from nine because I got... I. We only got halfway through nine. Let's just go ahead and start over real quick there. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of what? Because of sin. Even though your body's still dead because of sin. The spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Who's righteousness? Yeah, it's the same righteousness we've been talking about since chapter one. It's, it's still on Jesus's back. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, bodies through his spirit who dwells in you, which Chuck already explained and already, already kind of made the parallel to, to Romans chapter six. So you see this idea of dwells in you, dwells in you, dwells in you. Don't forget that. He's talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. He calls it the Spirit of God. He calls it the Spirit of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So he says this, verse 12. And this is where we're getting to. Don't forget this idea that he's just planted three times. Spirit of God dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Who are we in debt to? Yeah. Who bailed you out? Who paid your ransom? Who set you free? Yeah. It's not a debt you can pay off. You're not trying to earn it. There's not so much you have to pay to all of a sudden be considered good. Has anybody ever had something, something where somebody went like above and beyond their expectation doing something for them? Doesn't it make you want to do something back? It's not like you're, you're owed it. It's not like you owe it to them. You, didn't, you might not have asked them to go as far as they did. But the fact that they went that far, it makes you want to have that opportunity to give back. This is that idea when it comes to debtors. It's not like, oh, I owe a thousand bucks and I've got my bills and I got to pay it off until. You can't pay it off. Your debt was paid off a long time ago by Jesus Christ. 
Your ransom was paid in blood. You can't pay it off. It's already been paid off. So how does it make you, what does that make you want to be? What does that make you want to do for him? How does that make you want to live? Not because you owe it to him, not because you can earn it, but because of his loving kindness. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We don't owe it to our flesh. We don't owe it to this world. We don't owe it to corruption and sin. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What's Abba mean? It means, it, it is a term of endearment for father. And yeah, I'd say to an extent we could translate it as daddy in our situation. If you want to, um, it's, it's kind of like this to me. This is kind of how I translate it. And, I, and I've said daddy many, many times myself. So I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, but it's kind of like this. When you were young and you wanted something from your parent, was there a certain way you would address them? Like you knew, like there was that one term of endearment that like, oh, you're, that parent really liked. For me, it was mama. Just mama. Whenever I said mama, for some reason, not mom, not mother, mama. She knew. <laughs> she knew one, I was trying to get him away, right? <laughs> trying to work her right away. Um, but it also, it softened her up. It opened her up because it was a term of endearment. There was a real love that was felt between the two people just by that simple word. So if daddy's your word, for my dad, it's pop. Only for me, it's pop. When I call him pop or pops, loves it, loves it. All right? So that's kind of what it is. Go ahead, Mike. I don't know that it's true, for sure. I think I've heard linguists say that the, the sounds that an infant makes, mama, papa, are some of the first sounds that they can make. It just forms this bond between baby and and the parents that you never really get over. Yeah, is that, you know, I definitely didn't say pops to my dad growing up. It's something I started calling him when I got older and he just liked it, but maybe, that, maybe that's how I addressed my mom at first was mama. Maybe that's why she always liked, I don't know. I, you'd have to ask her, she's not here tonight. You'd have to ask her. But that's what it is. It's that, it's that term of endearment, daddy, mama, whatever, okay? There's two other places in the Bible that this is, this exact phrase is used. What it really means, if you want to break it down and get really technical, what it really means is father, father. That's what it means, father, father. Okay? But this Abba, father, is more like a term of endearment. All right? So Mark 14, you might be familiar with this moment right here. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. This is uh, Jesus praying before he goes to the cross. And he says, Abba, father. This is son talking to dad in a very intimate way. 
In Galatians 4, Paul writes this. This is the second time he writes it. He says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What you see there as well is what? The conversation between a child and their father. Go back to Romans 8. What's it say right here in verse 15? For you, did not know, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of what? Adoption as sons by whom we cry. Yeah, you see that? Go ahead, Mike. In the Roman society, usually the Jews didn't have money and anything to, to adopt, but in the Roman society, they became some of the top line people because the people who are doing the adopting have got the money to do it. They wipe out their past. So if their past is in a poverty situation, it's not now. Yeah, yeah, I like that analogy for sure. Um, and that's very similar to, to what it is for us on a spiritual level, maybe not so much as a physical level. I doubt many of you became Christians and became wealthy in the next day. But on a spiritual level, you have been blessed beyond all measure. Okay. Go ahead, Doug. Just one more thing. Yeah. Thayer, Thayer's Dictionary, let's call it whatever. It says it's the most sacred proper name for God is what it required. So, I mean, it goes along with the daddy thing. Not everybody can call you daddy. Yeah. You know, I call you daddy. I'm probably Joe. You know, I'm not looking for candy. I'm not looking for, you know, allowance or something. But only certain people can call you that properly. And that's what it is, that relationship that I'm calling God Father. I have that kind of relationship that I can call him. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because this is the whole point. And at least in my opinion, this is the whole point that he's been leading to in this section of Romans 8 with this idea that when you have the spirit, when the spirit's dwelling in you, when the spirit's dwelling in you, right? Then you have this spirit that allows you to call to the father as an adopted son. All right. So who in this world is not of God's creation? No one, right? So I think sometimes I ask questions that are so easy, everybody's like, he's got to be having, there's got to be a trick to this. No one, right? That's a simple answer, right? Everything in this world was created by God. Everything. But who are God's children? Who are God's children? Who actually can call God their father? Those who the Spirit of God dwells in. That's who are the children of God. Are we all God's children? In one way, yeah, because we were all created by God and God wants all of us to come to him, right? That's, I can show you a hundred scriptures that say that. But the ones who actually become God's children are, are the people who the spirit of God dwells in. Because just like Shad said earlier, it's not just about my belief, it's also about my actions. Do I look like him? Which is also coming up in this, in this scripture. So let's keep moving. Romans 8 verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of 
God. See how all that wraps together? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. <coughs> then he says this, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What does he mean? Provided. Like you can almost replace that with as long as, right? What's he mean, Carl? If we're going to live godly, the Bible says we'll be persecuted. If we do that faithfully, or at least like Peter, we'll be turned around and repent. If we do mess up and don't do it faithfully, then we can share in his glory. You know, um, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, so whenever we go through hard times, it's because really the, the world is persecuting Christ because mm -hmm. we have his righteousness. Mm -hmm. So really they just hate him in us is really mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think no matter what, if you're trying to live right, there's a suffering that comes with it. It's just, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go have the worst life of all time to, to, to bear in his suffering. Go ahead, Chad. I want to bring something up that we really never talked about. This is kind of out of the box. But, um, you know, we have to be good stewards of the Spirit through other people. And I say that because I've seen... Quite a few families and quite a few people, they get baptized and they get on this high mm -hmm. of uh, the Word, the Bible, and they run people off in their lives. Um, their kids. Uh, I worked with a gentleman years ago. He would take food from his family to give away to other people. And, you know, in God's name, he would basically starve his family to give away food. So I, we have to be, I think, good stewards in, in the way that we uh, receive this, uh, to, to say in a, in a sense, because we don't want to run people off. We don't want to isolate, you know, ourselves and, and uh, you know, have people run from us, you know, individually, you know what I mean? Sure. So I, I just wanted to bring that up. We never really talk about there can be too much. Yeah. So, if you remember, I want to say it was back when we were going through um, the spiritual gifts. Um, it might have been with it might have been the fruit of the spirit because all that was happening at the same time too. But I, I said to you guys, I admitted one of the things I have to be careful of is zealousy. Right? I get real passionate about God. I get real fired up. I got to be careful. I don't run people over with it. That's what I meant. That's exactly what I meant. That often, and it does happen to quite a few people. I, I do see it quite a bit. Yeah, it's well, yeah, I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. The other thing, you know, it's important to remember in those moments that you're growing at your own speed, and everybody else growing around you is growing at their own speed, and everything happens in God's timing. God's timing is perfect timing. Sometimes we want people to grow faster than they are, we just need to trust the Lord, keep encouraging people. That's really what we need to do, <clears throat> and of course, we need to take care of our family as much as the stranger or the person in need. Um, yeah. All right, verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Again, um, I've read Romans 8 a million times and I still can't get past Moses. I still can't get past thinking about Moses, myself personally, and that glory that he was in all the time and how it literally radiated off him because he was in God's glory. And I think that word, it's, 
It's a word that we see, but we don't really. How can you understand the glory of God? That was kind of part of the whole point that I was trying to, I know I was trying to have a little bit of fun. Saturday was a crazy night. I was trying to have a little bit of fun up there on Sunday. But that was kind of what I was trying to play with with you guys is what, does, what, what is the glory of God like? What does it look like? What is your experience when you're in the glory of God? It's like this amazing thing that you can't, you can't explain. Truth be told, you might have gotten glimpses of it in your own life. You might have had those moments where you are just overjoyed with what the Lord's doing in your life and you just want to praise God and, and shout and, and, and scream victory or whatever, however you deal with that. But that's just a glimpse of the glory of God. So he says, I consider everything I deal with, all my sufferings, not even worth comparing to what I'm going to receive, what I'm going to experience. And I think everybody has experienced that to an extent themselves with accomplishment. Everybody has struggled to accomplish something, but when you get to the end and you accomplish the thing you set out to do, and those things that were so hard during that time of struggle, they mean very little by the time you get to accomplishment. Because they're worth it. They're worth it to get to that level. Right? For the creation waits with eager longing. This, I think this is so interesting. This is one of the rare times where you see everything in white. It's because I didn't want to, uh, um, I guess I'd call it yellow wash. Right? I didn't want to put so much yellow on that we lose this. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage, to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What do you see in the white when you see that the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God? What creation? What creation? In every facet of life. And because it does, it, it's very destructive. And that, that fight's not for just non-Christian. They, they fight on one side, but this is written to people in Rome who fought the lions in the Colosseum as long as they could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking um, along the lines of where Jesus is told to hush his crowd when he's entering Jerusalem. And he says, if, if I make them hush, the rocks will cry out. I was thinking even along the, the, the lines of, of how, the, like Mike was saying, how destructive we are as people, just in general, not, not even just to each other, but think of the amount of punishment that creation has taken. Literally, there's bombs being dropped every day. You know, and obviously God is concerned 
with mankind. And this world was made for mankind. But his plan and what because sin has entered into this world has created is something much more destructive, much more abusive, much more violent. Not just to us, to all of creation. Go ahead, Paul. Verse 17 for just a moment. I will never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. There's something that there's something that's easy to miss in verse 17. Something. We suffer with him. Yeah. That's a two twofold. One is when we're suffering, he's suffering with us and feeling what we feel. Yeah. But it also means when he when we remember him hanging on that cross and suffering and with all the people and all the ridicule, we even today can suffer with him in that. So that's suffering. And then when you go to verse 18, it makes so much more sense because the sufferings that are going on, he's experiencing with us just like we can experience it with him. Yeah. Yeah, and I think using that context and piggybacking a little bit off of what Mike was saying, when you're set free from sin, do you escape? Do you escape? Do you escape this world? You still got to go through it. You still got to go through it. So even those of us who are baptized believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. We are children of God. Are you being treated like a child of God? All of a sudden, everything just get better to the next day? Nobody messes with you anymore? No, it's quite the opposite, actually. It's quite the opposite. So we should be waiting for that moment as well. From the rocks to us. Everything's waiting to get away from what we have been subjected to, which is futility, corruption, deceit, sin, evil, destruction, right? I could keep going, but I won't. Anybody else want to add to that real quick? Go ahead, Mike. People are eventually. Yeah. I mean, and God, I, everybody knows that. The creation's kind of messy too. But there's certain things that you can see that, that can just literally take your breath away. You know, I mean, just imagine the, the most beautiful sunrise or sunset or the pictures from the Hubble or the Webb telescope. You know, questions that we didn't even know existed yeah. a couple of years ago. But all of those are still in subjection, in subjection when Christ is revealed as he really is in his full glory. All that is going to burst forth in even fuller glory. I mean, yeah. think about beautiful animals, the color of fish. And yeah. It's all just going to yeah. magnify yeah. when, when Christ is isn't it fun to think about the glory of God? I really think it is. It's just so hard to describe. And I know normally when I share those types of ideas, you know, I, I think everybody's version of heaven is probably a little different. <laughs> but just think of what you've already seen. 
Just like Mike's saying, think of the amazing things you've already seen and think, that was a warm-up. That was a warm-up. Shad? Yeah. You described uh, Hawaii. <laughs> I've never been, right? But I can imagine I go to Hawaii, I'm going to complain about the expensive trip. I'm going to complain about the expensive trip. Right? So, is that, really, is that really paradise? I mean, is that really, right? So You can't escape it in this world. So maybe yeah. just pure peace with no thoughts of anything in this world, that may be heaven. Hey, some of my best moments in life are when I'm relaxed and I have my family. I don't need to be anywhere else when I'm relaxing. Not, that don't happen every day. But when it's just, when there is no stress and just enjoying really, the ones you love? I don't really think we truly know peace. I don't think you truly I don't think you can fully escape it. I think that's why we have the peace that surpasses all understanding to the world. Because I don't, I think there's always conflict in this world. And don't forget, we may be with things every day, but it's a blessing that we are here to deal with them and move on. Yeah. To the next day. Yeah, and it's part of our purpose. We created for such a time as this, and this is our time. This is our time. All right. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop. Because we've already went 45 minutes. And I'm not going to go the full hour unless you just beg me to. You want me to do the full hour? Oh, they were begging. I'm just kidding. We're going to try to stop around 45 minutes into class from now on, in, unless we have a huge problem with that, okay? Um, and that'll also, even with the time changes and stuff, that should help us, you know, get home at a reasonable time and not in the pitch black, okay? So, thank you so much for being patient with me. I promise next week I'll have studied a little bit harder, Lord willing. And um, keep praying. Keep praying for my sister-in-law. Keep praying for the whites. Keep, keep praying for everybody. But mostly, keep praying for Leah. Because the prayer is working. The prayer is working. So thank you so much for praying. Okay? Thank you for coming tonight.